0: Look! It's a bird! It's a plane!
1: It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Hello, man. thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro, Through the Multiverse. I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and you've reached the podcast exclusively about comic book animation. Welcome to episode 54. Let me briefly explain the rules. Number one, comic book animation. I've said it 54 times now, you should have caught on. Rule number two, I'm a big fan of all the old team-up comic books. DC Comics Presents, Marvel 2-in-1, Brave and the Bold, so this is a team-up podcast. Every week, me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Number three, and most important, we gotta have fun. As always, welcome back. I'm gonna bring my guest out. Right off the bat, he is a reviewer, podcaster, blogger. His blog is the flights tights and movie nights please welcome to the multiverse Bubba wheat
0: hey thanks for having me it's uh i'm i'm happy to be here i'm also somebody that loves comic book animation
1: i appreciate you joining us this week and uh we're going to get into it in a minute but i gotta say this is going to be i don't know if uh strange is the right word but this is going to be the most unique <laughs> <laughs> unique episode ever of the uh podcast why don't you uh Share what you decided you wanted to talk about and uh, what led you to this decision.
0: Sure. Well, over, over at my website, Flight and Movie Nights, I have spent the past 10 years watching and reviewing every superhero and comic book movie that I can find. And I'm pretty sure I've watched pretty much every single animated superhero and comic book movie out there. You know, I've fallen off in the past couple of years a little bit, so I'm I'm a little bit behind, but I think everything twenty twenty and earlier I've seen. And so I I wanted to pick something that was a little bit different and unique. And and honestly, this one that I picked is literally in one of my top five animated comic book movies. And it is something very different. There is no superheroes in here. This is not Marvel or DC it's it's based off in, um I'm pretty sure it's an independent Spanish language comic book or, or probably graphic novel and it's just interesting it is funny it's sad it's heartfelt and I I just love it and, I, and I'm glad to to get the chance to talk about this movie
1: well the uh film in question is called Wrinkles I got to admit, before you brought it up, I had never heard of it before. It's based on a, like you would say, a Spanish comic. Uh, I believe it's translated, it's spelled (laughs) A-R-R-U-G-A-S. Arugas? Arugas? Arugas. Arugas. (laughs) Paco Roca had done the graphic novel. And then, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was released in Spain in... 2011 under the name wrinkles and then released in originally in the UK in 2014. So I will give a spoiler. uh, (laughs) If you are exclusively a superhero guy, (laughs) this is not going to be the episode for you. This is a very, very different podcast. I should say a very different episode of the podcast. So I couldn't find a lot on this. Um, that was in english most of the websites and stuff in my research was all in spanish and different languages so it was hard for me to do the usual research going into this
0: yeah and and i and i mentioned to you before we started recording that i my entry point in in you know through my site is through the movies i have read a handful of comic books but i i don't usually go the extra mile and and look up the original graphic novels uh, i just watch the movies and review them
1: we're gonna do a little background on more on the cartoon, more than the uh, the movie itself. I gotta ask you first, what? Not this is not a a, a how can I put this? It's not a critique of the cartoon, but what made you think? <laughs> what made them think that this concept would work as a as a
0: film? I don't know. It's tough to say. I, I imagine, like if if I had to guess, I would say that it was just a, a push by the the comic book author either that or it was just like a the the animation studio that that found the graphic novel and, and thought that it would be good for you know a, a small relatively low budget independent animated film and the english dub was released by g kids and i i love that studio they're they're great they've released some great stuff and they're They're currently the one that owns the the rights to the Studio Ghibli uh, English dubs. Uh, They managed to to wrestle that from Disney somehow a few years ago.
1: So this was originally... uh, We're going to be talking more about the English dub version than the Spanish. We're going to mention some of that as well. Like I said, it was originally released in uh, 2011. And it was released in the UK in 2014. Pero Verde Films. Um is the uh, production company that did it. It was made for the sum of two million euros, which I don't know about you, but I have no idea how many euros translates to a dollar. I think they're about even. I think,
0: uh, I think a euro is a little bit more than a dollar right now.
1: All right. So it's um it was a directed by an Ignacio Ferreras. He's worked on a few other things. He worked on an animated movie called. Uh, the Illusionist, which I'm unfamiliar with. Are you familiar with it? I've heard the name, but I, I haven't seen it. And uh, the script was, uh, they contributed it to uh, Paco Roca, the author, a Ignacio Ferreras, as well as a uh, Angel de la Cruz and uh, Rosanna Ciccini. Forgive me if anybody's listened to the show. Pronunciation, not my strong suit, so I'm going to do my best. <laughs> Also, we're going to go over some of the, the voice acting. Now, I'm going to give credit to uh, uh, everybody who, um, in Spanish and English, and the, uh, Emilio, the main character, is uh, in Spanish, was voiced by an Alvaro Guevara. But in the English dub, which we watch, Martin Sheen did the voice. Everybody knows Martin Sheen, the father of Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, as well as starred in many, many things, West Wing, Apocalypse Now. A live-action Spawn movie. Yeah, he's he's the real <laughs> Seymour Skinner on the Sim, on the Simpsons as well. <laughs> Miguel is voiced by uh, T- Tacho Gonzalez, and a uh, George Coy did the uh, voice for him in the uh, English version, who I'm not very familiar with. Her. He's no longer with us. He passed away in 2015. Um, says he was a cast member for the first season of Saturday Night Live and voiced the character Woodhouse in Archer, but. I, I've never heard of this guy. I, cast member of Saturday Night Live, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's, it's that, that, that has to be incorrect. We also have Antonia, who's uh, she's voiced by Mabel Rivera in the Spanish version, and a lawyer, Frazier, voiced her in uh, the English dub. And then uh, Dolores, who is uh, voiced by, you know, here we go, this is going to be a good one, Zermania Carballido and then in the English dub, him, <laughs> Ann Phillips was the one that uh I uh, voiced her. Zermana Carballido. Yeah, Zer Car- Carballido and then I think it's Zermana as I say the first name it starts with an x so uh, your guess is as good as mine. I, yeah, I think so. I think it's Zermana Car Carballido.
0: I know the two L's is a, is a y sound. <laughs> <laughs> but my my Spanish is only just a notch above yours I think.
1: <laughs> oh um and most of the uh, animation I was interesting it was supposedly done in Spain which I was kind of surprised about because usually with these things you know they outsource to Korea or Japan but a majority of the animation was actually done in Spanish. I should say it was done in Spain. <laughs> That's the country <laughs> Spanish is what they speak there. So this is, uh, we're going to get into it in a minute. We're going to watch it and give us our two cents, but it's very interesting. It's different than, it is not superheroes. It's not, it's really just a, I guess a slice of life would be the best way I would describe it. Yeah. We're going to get into more in the review. So there you have it. Wrinkles uh, is the name of it. Um, how did you even discover this uh, film in the first place?
0: Well, like I said, you know, you know, with my sight Flight sights and Movie Nights, I... I've been going through and just, just trying to find every single superhero and comic book movie that I can find. I've, uh, you know, I've reviewed over 500 superhero and comic book movies going all the way back to the 1930s, the shadow films, uh, the black and white ones um all the way and i've you know discovered a ton of indie superhero movies like the really low budget ones and like the, the knockoff ones like sinister squad and avengers grim and i i've just really dug the depths of comic book films and and this was just you know one of the ones um i, I think i did a month where i was just focusing on animation and uh, I've, I've, this was one of the ones that I did, I, I think, along with the uh, the anime Dracula movie that you covered a few episodes ago, which that that was a lot of fun. And then the, the follow up Frankenstein one, which it's not quite as fun. It, it's that one is a lot darker, but they're both just incredibly fascinating and interesting.
1: Well, I got to say, this is uh, this is only the second time in my show's history where someone wanted to review something that I didn't even know existed before they brought it up. <laughs> the Dracula one <laughs> being the other one, I never even knew there was a tomb of Dracula cartoon. So I have to ask with you reviewing that many comic book films spanning such a long period of time, can you pick what you think is the greatest comic book film ever made?
0: Well, my, my favorite, um, uh, it, it's still, I still go to the, the first Avengers film. I, I think that just really captured the excitement, the team-up, the the adventure of a, of a good comic book movie. Outside of superheroes, I would say my favorite is Road to Partition. I love that film.
1: That is a, a great film, and a lot of people don't even realize that's based on a graphic novel. Yeah. And uh, Avengers is actually my uh, favorite uh, MCU film, actually. I think it is the best one. It's the most... To me, that's the most resembles the experience of reading a comic book. Yeah. And, and
0: for one thing, just a couple of years ago, like maybe three or four years ago, I did a poll. Uh, you know, I gathered up a bunch of uh, my film blogger friends and I, I tried to compile a list of the best comic book movies. And surprisingly, the number one on that list was Spider-Man 2.
1: Uh, I, I was a... Uh... Highly acclaimed film when it came out, and I think it still holds up to this day. Yeah, it's it's up there for me as well. Off the subject, uh, DC. What do you think's the best uh DC film ever done?
0: I mean, best? I I still think it's got to be The Dark Knight. That's you know for the longest time, you know, w- with my podcast, and uh, I also did um, written interviews with fan filmmakers, and something that I would always ask everybody that I've talked to. Is what's your favorite superhero movie? And in the movie that comes up most often is The Dark Knight, and and I still think, I think the quality overall, like the average quality of superhero movies, has really gotten better in just the past five years or so. But I still think that The Dark Knight is is right there at the top.
1: All right, so the subject of this week's episode wrinkles. We're going to take a break. We're going to watch it right now, and when we come back, we're going to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. The Multiverse will be right back.
0: Greetings, fellow inmate. How many years they got you in for? name is Miguel. Guess you're the new roommate. I'm Emilio. Come on, you're just in time for strip bingo. Strip bingo? I'm only kidding. Bingo's on Tuesday nights. They stuck you with Miguel, which means at the very least you won't die of boredom. This is where they start drugs to keep us doped up. You think Lawrence Welk was handing out hard candy? You live your whole life and this is how it ends. I don't want to end up like that You want to escape? Go right through those doors Hurry before someone catches us Ah! Freedom! How stupid do you think I am? It's not like I'm harming anybody It's not true, you liar
1: Very good, everyone Ah! Turn a blind
0: eye to what I have to do. From the director of American Beauty. You gotta take him now. Road to Perdition is a cinematic masterpiece. This is the life we chose, the life we lead. The best crime drama since The Godfather. Get out! An unforgettable emotional journey. I have to protect you now. The year's best movie. Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, Jude Law. Road to Perdition, rated R, starts Friday, July 12th. Oh, please don't pick up wrinkles, I'm telling you right now. Cause if you pick up wrinkles, you'll never put them down. Wrinkles are so cuddly, they love to play all day. And when you ask them questions, they've got so much to say. I'm so tired. Every wrinkle's different, no two are quite the same. They've all got lots of wrinkles, and ears that have their name. So please don't pick up wrinkles, cause you'll never put them down.
1: The world of wrinkles, each sold separately. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice, and we are back, and we just watched the film Wrinkles. I don't know, it's uh, it was definitely the most. We're gonna get more into it, but it was the most unique thing uh, I think uh, we've ever reviewed here on the podcast. It was uh, it's hard to believe now watching it that that was a that was a comic book. <laughs> it's just it's very different than any comic book or any comic book film, even different than a lot of anime. It could have just been a. They literally could have just done it live action, and it wouldn't have been any different.
0: Yeah, but I think that there is a little bit that they benefit by by having the animation, especially with some of the the fantasy sequences. I, I know most of the fantasy sequences aren't too extreme. Most of them are just like real life, but just in different time periods and like shifting the time periods. But I I still like what they're able to do and and even with like the age of emilio uh they they play with that a few times
1: i'd say the way the animation benefited it the most was the seamless way they went from fantasies to real life and from flashbacks to the present Mm -hmm. so our story does begin with emilio it looks like he's uh it's the appearance of he's in a bank and he's approving a loan and uh when he says he can't give him the loan the guy flips out but you find out it's actually uh, it was his son trying to get him to eat soup, and he's kind of like kicking in where he was kind of lost in the moment. He he was <laughs> he sort of doesn't know what was going on. He's kind of mixing the past with the present.
0: Yeah, and and the film doesn't tell us this until I would say almost the halfway point in the movie. But Emilio is suffering from early uh, Alzheimer's.
1: He gives a big speech to his uh his wife about how he can't do this anymore. He's They've just been doing this over and over and this kind of gets Emilio upset and he knocks the soup over and says that, uh, he's all done. His son says that he just can't be around him anymore. And then that's when we go to our opening credits. Um, uh, first thing I'd ask is, uh, what's your take on the, uh, the animation style? I like it. It's,
0: you know, it's simple, like a, a traditional 2d, uh, hand-drawn style there kind of appears to be like a a bit of a sepia tone overall to it. Um, and the, you know, the, the characters, they're a little bit, you know, caricaturized. Um, most of them don't look like obviously Spanish. Uh, I would say, um, I, I think they look like just standard, um, animated characters. And, like, if you didn't know that this was a Spanish-language movie, other than, you know, all the character names, you know, Emilio and Miguel, you know, I, you could probably tell somebody that this was an, an English movie, and they would believe you.
1: Yeah, um, it felt very um, comic-strippy to me, almost, I would think. That's, it kind of looked like a comic strip a little bit to me, which isn't a bad thing. Um, yeah,
0: kind of like um, – the the women do remind me of Mary Worth the you know the the comic strip that seemed to be in every newspaper but nobody nobody that I knew ever read or wanted to read it.
1: <laughs> um, so the, his daughter in law and his son they check him into the nursing home, and uh, his son really tries to put a happy face on it, but uh, it's kind of painfully obvious that his wife doesn't really agree with putting him in there. When the son leaves, he does a, there is kind of a moment where the son is sad. Like he, he doesn't, this is a hard moment for him to to do this, to put his father in the situation that he's doing. Now this leads to a, um, Emilio has a flashback to the first day of school, um, where he was very nervous and everybody kind of made fun of him cause he said some line about wanting his mommy. And I thought it was kind of clever how the show didn't, the movie didn't tell you that was happening and it kind of creates that i think thing we all deal with that uh new experiences never don't make us nervous no matter what age we get to yeah definitely so uh then he uh first meets his uh his roommate miguel who's very uh happy and uh even singing at one point makes a joke about them being in a prison uh he's very uh, very happy to be there um he even makes a line about how uh you might need to make a break from this La Vida Loca, and he actually says that he's there voluntarily. And not to jump ahead, but uh, I kept expecting that was going to get revealed that he wasn't there voluntarily. That's just what he told himself.
0: Yeah, he, we don't really get a whole lot of backstory to Miguel. We get like little bits and pieces, but I I do love him as a character. Like I, you know. Both of the, the two main characters, Emilio and Miguel, they are both great. It, it's, and it, and it has a real odd couple feel to it. Uh, because, you know, uh, Miguel is very much like the, uh, oh, I, I don't remember which one's which, but he's like, he's not a full on slob. He's more of a con man, but he's definitely the, you know, the easygoing, laid back character. And Emilio is the more uptight, stuffy one.
1: Yeah, right off the bat, he does uh, what appears to me he scammed uh, Emilio out of ten bucks right off the bat. <laughs> um, you meet Roman, who's the guy who repeats everything that uh, anybody says. Said he was once a radio host, but apparently now all he does is <laughs> repeat whatever people say. Yeah, and I feel like that's a subtle jab at uh
0: at radio personalities too.
1: <laughs> um, there's a tour of the building where some uh. It's kind of really sad and kind of telling about these situations where there's like a swimming pool, but nobody uses it. And it's like Miguel even comments how it's a cruel joke to have it there. And in the TV room, they're only allowed to watch nature channels. It's like almost like a, it's designed to keep them in a a docile state almost.
0: I do love the joke at the beginning of the tour where Miguel's uh, mentions, you know, uh, about the strip uh, bingo. And then he's like, Oh, I'm just kidding. Bingo's on Tuesdays.
1: <laughs> yes, he does. Miguel does have uh does provide a majority of the comic relief throughout the movie. You see, Miguel also scams this, this woman wants to call her sons to take her home. He scams her out of money. He says that, uh, give me the money. I can use the phone, which he then explains to Emil that, he does all the time. And Emile just kind of watches her wander down the hall, never actually finding the phone.
0: Yeah, the the one thing that I appreciate is, is the pacing and, and how she walks about three-quarters down the hall, and then she stops, and then she looks one to one side, and then she looks back to the other side, and then she looks back to the other side. And, and the film really takes the time to show you this moment and, and really takes the time. it, it It's almost like... The film is kind of at a a more elderly pace and you see that she has forgotten what she was doing.
1: And then the next scene we get, which you may not agree or not, um, we get a real tone change in the next scene, which I think is very effective in the movie that the way they shift tones where Miguel is looking upstairs and hears like some screaming and some weird noises and it really sets a tone of very uncomfortableness of like there's not there's something not quite right in this home.
0: I, I do appreciate that that it doesn't I at least I don't remember I I don't think that they bring in like the the creepy music. Like they don't make it creepy like a horror movie, but it is uh, jarring and like you said, it, it is a bit of a, a, a tone shift right there.
1: He does ask Miguel about what's going on. Miguel says the people that lose their marbles, uh, that's where they, uh, send them. And Miguel almost tries to kind of blow it off a little bit. So it's almost like it's got that horror tone, almost like pay no attention to what's going on up there. Yeah. And he definitely gives a warning.
0: You know, you don't want to go up there. You don't want to see up there.
1: So, uh, in dinner, that's when he meets, uh, everybody he meets. Cause he sits at the table with Miguel and he gets introduced to uh Antonia and Dolores and uh Dolores who's also with Modesto who seems pretty much just in a wheelchair. They all get their meds. Miguel makes a joke about how they forgot his Viagra. <laughs> scene that kind of amused me is when he says to the male nurse that uh you got your hair in pigtails and he says they're actually dreadlocks and he says that sounds like a medical condition. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the next, it's kind of a sad scene there where uh, Miguel um, sees a bunch of the uh, other um, old people there. They're lining up and Miguel says how, because of a nurse shortage, they get lined up to get put to bed. And it's just kind of a really sad scene because Miguel explains to him and it sets into Emilio that they really have nothing better to do. Um, it,
0: it is interesting how the the film really like quickly shifts its tone, but it it always has or almost always has this light hunter light hearted undertone because most of it is coming from Miguel and and Miguel is always positive and upbeat and is always cracking the jokes. And so we get these moments of like harsh reality, but because they're presented by Miguel in this more humorous tone, and like it's they're bookended by a joke, especially early this early in the movie it's we we're presented with this like harsh reality of the nursing home, but it doesn't seem that bad
1: just yet, yeah, like uh Miguel explains how. <laughs> He's actually doing her a favor. He's keeping her hopes up that she'll be able to get her sons on the phone. He finds out that uh, even though Modesto has Alzheimer's, is, Dolores is just fine. She's a her faculties are there. She's only there because of Modesto being her husband. That um, she actually chose to be here, which both Miguel and Emilio find like I don't know if I find they don't understand it, but they definitely don't it doesn't make them feel good. They, they kind of, it bothers them both. Yeah. It's like a combination of sweet and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, you find out, I mean, if the backstory is correct, they uh, find out that, uh, Miguel never had a family, has no children. He says though, it's good because unlike them, he never cries about no one visiting him because he never had anybody. And he even says with any luck, we'll be dead soon as a joke. But it really is one of those jokes that, uh, really hits you in the feels because it's like essentially they're they are just waiting to die yeah
0: yeah this film definitely has a lot of humor where it's like it's it's funny but it's you know it has that ring of the hard
1: truth to it and uh then we do a really one of the best like another tone ship but it's also one of the best visually where there's a train and in the mountaintops and there's a very elegant woman looks like she's from like the thirties or maybe the twenties and Miguel and, uh, Emil come in. They actually, uh, first they're in their regular clothes, but then they say the conductors and all of a sudden they have the conductor's outfits on and you're not really sure exactly what's going on. And, uh, the woman says she's going to Istanbul. And of course, Miguel says, you know, she needs to pay for the ticket you find out it's actually one of the older ladies who's just in her room having like a, I don't even like if you call it a fantasy as much as it's, a, but it's not really a dream. It's sort of a, a, it's kind of. Like a delusion. Yeah, like a delusion. Yeah, it's its a really good scene. Kind of like dementia, I, I think. And then there's a, a, like a lot of montage of, Amelia was just seeing how, routine life is here of just dinner meds going to sleep really nothing else happening nothing different happens from day to day there's a flashback to the beach with him and his son and his wife where it's the picture that's on his uh his bedside table that kind of like goes hazy which i think is kind of a it's almost like a term it's almost like representing when you're you're losing memories you're you're precious things that are locked up in the back of your head, you're starting to... It seems like something's taking them from you. Yeah, it's a little bit like that that moment in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind
0: whenever he's... Whenever Jim carries inside his memory and his memory is being erased like all around him. It, it's, it's a very similar scene to that.
1: Uh, and then uh, when he does wake up, Miguel says, it's Jim uh, it's Day, you don't want to miss that. <laughs> um, which... Emilio is like, it <laughs> doesn't have any clothes, doesn't have his track suit. But he says, it's not about that. I'll save us a seat. And then we find out why the girl <laughs> running it is attractive young woman with a big set of knockers.
0: Yes, and, and the animators spent a lot of time animating the jiggle. This is definitely one of the funniest scenes, I think. Uh, even if it is kind of rooted in almost like 80s, uh, it would almost, you know, be perfectly um,
1: situated in like an 80s sex comedy. <laughs> yeah, because like this is the those tone shifts we talked about, which I think makes this thing work is they're all laughing. Uh, one of the old guys pretends to be hard of hearing. So when she goes in, he grabs her boobs. In fact, Miguel says he may have lost his hearing, but he hasn't lost his touch. Uh, Then they have this ridiculous scene of them playing catch where like half of them can't get it. The blind guy can't reach the ball. One of them gets hit in the head with the ball. At one point she bends over to pick it up and the guy grabs her ass at this point, but they get to the end and they're like all happy because they supposedly beat their record For the fastest time playing this, I guess, game of pass the ball, I guess you'd call it. And it's not sad, but I think there's a revel, there's like a epiphany almost with Emil where he's like realizing that how sad this is and how they're really almost deluding themselves to make life seem not so miserable.
0: Well, this is also another, it's like one of those tone shift moments too, because it, you know, it gets to the end with Emilio and then they're going to start it back the other direction. And they, they keep telling Emilio to pass the lob. You know, they keep saying lob and Emilio is like, I, what are you saying? I, I don't understand. And I, I think that's, that's an interesting way that they, Show this, this other aspect of Emil, of Alzheimer's taking hold, where it's, it's like this representation of him basically forgetting what the word ball means. And he's just sitting there and they're all telling him, you know, to, to pass the ball, but he has lost the meaning of ball in his memory. And it's, he's just like, frozen and, and doesn't know what to do
1: and it like shifts to the scene of just representing what he's going through because it's like pouring rain and he's looking out and it's just miserable and gray really like representing where his mind's at where he sees a few of the few of the residents of are outside in the rain you find out one of them is apparently scared of aliens which you get one of the the best uses of animation in the scene where you see kind of the aliens that she see chasing her and they really do it in kind of a cartoony way. So even though, um,
0: yeah, they're, they're like the, the, the stereotypical green, um, you know, green eyed aliens, like the Martians, like the, 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 the typical classic 50 style Martians, uh, like little green men.
1: Yeah. It's like done almost to like, um, so even though it's scary to her, to the, it's almost to portray to the audience that there's no real threat there. Mm-hmm. They have a big discussion where Miguel says it's funny and he's helping her not getting sucked under and just, you know, getting life crusher down. But, yeah, because
0: we find out that Miguel actually tricked all three of them to go out into the rain and he he did it to you know to see as a game for himself to see how many people he can trick to go out into the courtyard into the rain for various reasons like basically playing off of all of their mental
1: illnesses and um before you know it we flash flash we fast forward and it's christmas miguel is uh getting a dog from one of the residents which uh, Emilio questions not being allowed and he says that uh, basically he keeps it for a while but eventually it goes away because you know he'll forget about it and they'll find out about the dog. And uh, Miguel with his beard, Emilio says, looks like Santa Claus. Here is where you find out that uh, Christmas in a way is the best time of the year because that's like the one day where everyone comes to visit them and all the relatives are going to visit where Miguel uh, says that relatives are like eggnog all of a sudden they're everywhere. And, and and we also get, get another hint that that
0: Emilio's memory is starting to go a bit more because Miguel mentions that he said the, the Santa line every single day.
1: <laughs> Emilio also says that, uh, relatives are like eggnog. They both give you heartburn. <laughs> so they have an argument, um, before that in the hotel room. Cause, uh, Earlier, Emilio's watch was missing. Well, his wallet was missing. Yeah, first it was his wallet. And now his watch is missing as well. And he's convinced that uh, Miguel took them, which Miguel denies. This is also another really thing that I thought was good because they've established what a con artist that Miguel is. So you can certainly, as the audience, believe there's that mystery of does he is he misplacing things? Because it's also perfectly plausible Miguel would have taken them. Mm-hmm. So he's like ransacking the place, trying to find it. And he finds this cigar box that Miguel's been hiding. and It's full of money and it's full of, uh, pills as well. Um, I gotta say when I don't know about you, I I fully expected the watch was going to be in that cigar box.
0: (laughs) I I don't remember if I expected that the first time I watched it.
1: No, uh, Miguel tells him that if he ever touches that cigar box or even tells anyone about it, that he is going to beat the living shit out of him, <laughs> which <laughs> was kind of, uh, at this point, Miguel has been portrayed like so jovial and nothing gets to him. It was really kind of, I wouldn't say shocking, but it definitely threw me for a loop to hear him suddenly get so aggressive. So and then, um, Amelia's family does show up, but, uh, he's very confused because, uh, He's forgotten that he even has a grandson where his uh, son reminds him, which then Emilio says, tries to pass off as a joke. I wasn't sure because this this is the first time that the audience has seen
0: the the grandson. So I'm I couldn't tell for sure if the grandson, like if if he's actually been here for, you know, how like if the grandson's five years old, if if this is actually five years that he's been in here or if it's just been you know a, a few months that he's been here and that the grandson was around whenever he was living with his uh, son and and daughter-in-law
1: yeah you do it does make you question how long he's actually been there because you don't know uh at the beginning if he had a son at that point or not so it kind of puts you almost in, in the you're almost confused as what's going on because you don't even we don't even know as an audience uh how long he's been there Yeah. And kind of a shocking scene for Emilio. He finds out that him and Modesto are uh, taking the same medication. And while it's shocking to him is that uh, if you didn't watch it, Modesto is pretty much not moved, not spoken. He's getting fed to. So to Emilio, Modesto is pretty much a borderline vegetable. And um, he even brings it up to his doctor. The doctor kind of blows off that it's just a, a lot of people take the same medication. The doctor, it's painfully obvious that the doctor knows that he has Alzheimer's as well. He just doesn't want him to tell him like it's going to be a shock to him. And it makes me wonder, is that how it's done? And it's like, is that the best thing for a person to pretend that they don't have, <laughs> have Alzheimer's?
0: Yeah, I was curious about that as well. I, I wonder if that that's more part of uh, the Spanish culture. Um, that that's something that happens more often in Spain or if it uh, I thought maybe it also had to do with Emilio's personality because he's de- he's definitely a very proud character and he doesn't like to admit that his memory is failing and i I almost wonder if maybe his son and the doctors just assumed that he wouldn't take very well to the the fact that he's that he has Alzheimer's
1: Yeah, that could be. Um, I think it might be a combo. It could be a culture thing, but uh, maybe they are good at recognizing, you know, the the people that will have a harder time coping with the fact that they're suffering from this disease. Yeah. We get another scene, which is even creepier of him kind of looking at the stairs, like really, you know, just intently staring at it. And then he gets on the elevator and... I honestly thought watching it that when the elevator opened there'd be like a there'd be like one of the, the orderlies there and would stop him, but he does appear to actually go upstairs. Yeah, th- this is not a nursing home that that has a lot of security.
0: I, I think we only see I think maybe four or five nurses and and we don't really see any orderlies.
1: He is uh, there's a scene after this where he is with Miguel and he is like really visibly shaken because not only are there a bunch of people up there far worse than anything you've seen. There's a young woman with, who's a paraplegic who you find out who is homeless and had nowhere to go. And Miguel says pretty much that, uh, that's where they, when they're pretty much past hope, that's where they go. (laughs) They go upstairs. It's almost like as bad as things seem to Amelia, there's like a place that's even worse.
0: It's it's almost like the you know, like the nine levels of hell and, and they're in, you know, the the first level and then upstairs is like the the second level.
1: Uh he says he really has two choices. Uh he can uh just act like everything is okay or he can be a man and face reality. Finally you get a scene of uh Amelia in the pool with his clothes on, which uh really freaks out Manuel. He's trying to break in there, he's trying to get in there. And when he finally does get in there, he thinks he's going to drown. But actually, uh, he's just uh, he's just swimming.
0: Well, and and uh, you you did skip a, an important scene, uh, an important moment of dialogue right before he goes to the pool. Miguel actually reveals what that what his stash of pills is for, because initially I thought that the pills were like um you know, like his side business, like along with the con, he was also like selling pills to the residents. But that stash of pills is basically his break glass in case of emergency. You know, if if he wants to check himself out, that's those are his suicide pills. Yeah, you're right. And he tells Emilio that, you know, basically if, if things get too rough and and you want to check out, you you know where the cigar box is.
1: Yeah, you're right. I did skip over that. Yeah, and that was kinda like uh That kind of made me think like the first thing I thought about was like that's how they're gonna end this movie. He's gonna Actually I pictured a scene of him opening the thing like and they were gonna leave you hanging like did or did he not take those emergency pills.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and that's the main reason why Miguel thinks that um, Emilio is jumping in the pool to basically commit suicide, uh, jumping in with all his clothes on.
1: But, uh, once he realizes he's just swimming, they, uh, they both get in their boxers and, uh, they both have a nice little swim. And, uh, he actually says how, uh, they're going to be okay, that they're never going to go upstairs. So as, uh, jovial as, uh, Miguel is, you can kind of tell he, he definitely, even in his mind, the fear of upstairs is there. And after this, especially, there's a shift in
0: in the two of their relationship because they're they've always been, you know, jovial and, and friendly, but after this, basically, Emilio starts getting worse, and Miguel uh, goes into a mode where he's doing his best to help hide Emilio's memory loss, basically to keep Emilio from going upstairs.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of scenes. One of uh. He's trying to help Emilio uh, do an interview with a doctor to prove he's not losing his memory. Miguel tries to cover up the fact that Emilio tried to cut his food with a spoon, thinking it was a knife. Where from now on, they're both going to only eat sandwiches, so he'll never get caught with a knife again. So you could tell that uh, as mad as they got at each other earlier, that Miguel's generally concerned and doesn't want Emilio to go upstairs. Yeah, definitely. So then we get a scene where um, he's watching her feed Modesto again and where she whispers something in his ear, which she smiles. And uh, he asks what it is you say that makes him smile. And she says that uh, he calls her, she calls him a cheater. And she's going to explain why. And this next scene to me was the, I honestly thought this was the best scene in the whole film. You get a flashback to when Modesto and her were children it was just animated really well. It was put together well. musically. It it helped the whole story, I think, kind of have more, uh, kind of remind me of Up in a way where it just really added an extra gut punch to it, I thought.
0: Yeah, it it, it really shows. It's a really sweet, lighthearted, heartwarming, just little slice of life story. And, and it's just so great just with, uh, you know, it's. It, and and it feels very uh, childish, like in, in a way where the the children feel like real children, where you know the the girls are like you know I'll be your go- girlfriend, like you know Dolly wants to be your girlfriend, and and Dolly's like yeah I'll I'll be your girlfriend if you catch me a cloud, and it's you know the, this back and forth, and then Modesto runs off, and then. He comes back and gets his, gets the idea, grabs Dolly, takes her up to the top of this uh, this church bell tower, and like you know, tells her to wait just a minute. And then basically this um, this rolling fog, like the, this cloud, comes in and basically passes through them. And it's just really sweet. It's almost like the, that's the, you know, the, the moment on Titanic because they're, you know, they're both right next to each other and, and it's kind of windy because as the cloud passes through, then she's like, you cheater (laughs) since he didn't, you know, he didn't really catch a cloud, but you know, it's, it worked.
1: And then you find out they're both gone. They've gone upstairs and you find out it's, it's just that she went up there because Modesto had to go up there, but she just couldn't take not being with him anymore. She couldn't take the separation, so which really gets Emilio upset because there's and Miguel because there was nothing wrong with her in their eyes, but she wouldn't be separated from Modesto.
0: It's also shown visually, like whenever they come back from the flashback, the, the two of them are still there, but then they basically just fade away Um, in their seats in in that scene.
1: And I think this is kind of the catalyst because next, Emilio's packing his bags. He's leaving. He can't take it anymore. He's even mad at Miguel saying he's not going to let him steal anything. That saying he stole his black socks. (laughs) Um, Miguel doesn't want him to leave. really tries to talk him out of it. And even when he says that even if you didn't steal them, why would you want to be here anymore? And... They make a plan where they actually escape. This guy helps him get out and gives him a convertible, which uh, Emilio has to drive because apparently <laughs> the other two have never driven a car before. <laughs> and I don't know if that's common in Spain or not, but yeah, uh, he was the only one who knew how to drive.
0: Yeah, they, they, this also has a, a few other like really nice comedic beats because they, you know, they they come up to the fence And the the guy on the outside, you know, pulls up a corner of the fence and the three elderly people are just like staring at it for like, you know, a good five, ten seconds. And then it cuts to him with wire cutters and he's like clipping off the entire section of the fence so they could all walk upright
1: through the fence. (laughs) And um, they get in the convertible and when they're driving, uh, they... This scene made me laugh where she asked she's cold so she has to put the top up and when it goes up she says oh it's just like a James Bond movie. <laughs> at one point uh Miguel questions if they're on the other the right side. Yeah, we we do see them driving and a like a semi
0: truck comes at, at towards them and is honking at them and you can see that the path like they're they're driving um on screen from left to right and then the truck passes in front of them, so they would be on the left side of the road, which I, I'm – honestly, in, in Spain, I, I'm i not sure if they drive on the left or the right side of the road.
1: I don't know. I thought all of Europe, they, uh, they did the opposite, but maybe that's just England.
0: Yeah, I know England, but I'm not – I don't think all of Europe, I think – uh, but I, I don't know for
1: sure. I, I haven't visited there myself. You you could very well be 100% right. <laughs> but when he goes out to check it, they, they actually crash the car, which of course you would. It's just great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Amelia says, um, am, am I on the wrong side? Let me go out and check. And he opens the car door and then Miguel freaks out and grabs him.
1: But they still crash. You find out in the next scene that you know, Miguel gets a big speech about how irresponsible, how, how dangerous it was.
0: And I do want to I do want to mention that this this is another another moment of the movie's pacing as well, because, you know, they show us they show the car off the side of the road uh, just with like its taillights blinking. And that it basically like it holds on it for a good like 10, 15 seconds, which in, in movie terms, that's like forever.
1: Yeah, like do you you know something bad's coming, but you're not sure how bad it's gonna be. And uh, Miguel, um, you f- he got finds out, which really hits him hard, is that Emil now is gonna he's been moved upstairs. He he's he's required round the clock care now because of what happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, right after that, he's uh, it's just Anita sitting at the at the table like she's all alone. You know, Modesto's gone, Emilio's gone, no one's there anymore. And you find Miguel, he's just sitting on his bed with his emergency pills.
0: And and I think that it's also telling, too. You see that he has his box of pills. And, and in the last, like, whenever Emilio found it, the box was, like, filled with money and the pills. And now the box is empty except for the pills. So So you know that Miguel spent all of his money on that convertible, on that trip.
1: At this point, I mean, you'd seen this before I hadn't. I was really at the point of like, oh, crap, this this is really going to have a depressing ending because I was fully expecting Miguel to take those pills. And uh, when he spills the pills accidentally on the ground and he goes to look and he sees the socks were tucked under Emil's uh, mattress and he had basically hidden his own wallet and his watch and he had just forgotten that he had done it, so he'd been suffering from this pretty much from the get-go. This pretty much causes Miguel to break down where he's actually, the first time you see him really showing any real emotion other than anger, where he's really sad, and just really upset about what's happened to Emil. And then
0: this becomes um, Miguel's character turn. This this is like his uh, uh, like the moment in Groundhog Day where Bill Murray decides to help everybody in town and become a better person. This is Miguel deciding to become a better person.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely yeah, very similar when Bill Murray fends the the homeless guys died. It's it's very similar tone and written like that scene. Cuz he's uh he's upstairs, he's helping a uh, and he's actually talking to the paraplegic as well who uh <laughs> isn't too nice to him. Calls him dickless at one point.
0: and then he also goes around and he he, he helps the the one elderly woman actually call her family and he gets an actual
1: fox terrier he gives the alien woman the water pistol
0: (laughs) (laughs) and Antonio goes and visits the the Orient Express woman
1: yeah another great scene great use the animation where she goes in to visit her and she also now looks like a young woman in the 20s and she gets on the train with her to go to Istanbul. Kind of almost like fades. You think it's over. There's a line that says, dedicated to all the old people of today and of tomorrow. And then you get uh, <laughs> the obligatory comic post credit scene. Where <laughs> the guy with the dog, he's, <laughs> he's no longer in the uh, nursing home. He's with his dog. Looks like he's living in his own apartment. And at one point he gets he's on the elevator with the dog leash sticking out and he's freaking out because the dog's on the elevator. And when he opens up, he's at first convinced that the dog's going to be hurt, but the dog's perfectly fine. And he makes a joke about how the dog is so absent minded.
0: Yeah. But I, I think if, if you, if you really think about this, I think this is one of the darkest jokes in this movie because one of the other things, you know, along with, Miguel giving him the the actual fox terrier that he wanted. He also gives him an extendable leash. Because of what happens to this dog, I think that it's not too big of a leap to imagine that this the same thing happened to his previous dogs, but because he didn't have an extendable leash, that's how he actually lost his previous dogs.
1: There you have it. Wrinkles. Um... We're gonna start getting into our overall review. Um, I want to say that I think this is a. I'm not gonna rank it yet. I, I think it's a very, very good movie. It's excellently done. I just disclaimer. I I I don't know if I would say this is for everyone.
0: Oh, definitely not for everyone.
1: Like if you're like a a hardcore superhero guy or an action guy, um, <laughs> this is this is definitely not for you this could have been a live action movie. It's really a slice of life. It's really about, I've never seen, I don't think even a live action movie that really tackles, tries to tackle and display what someone's going through when they're suffering from Alzheimer's.
0: Yeah. I think the only other things that I can think of are, are also other animation projects.
1: So, uh, well, we're going to do, let's just do the ranking and then we'll, uh, We'll uh, we'll give all of our thoughts. We're gonna go over to our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, the spectrometer we rank what we saw. Zero spectros being it's absolute garbage. Four spectros being it just doesn't get any better. Bubba, what are you gonna rank? Wrinkles.
0: Well, like I said at the beginning, that this is like literally one of my favorite animated comic book movies uh, of all time and and I've seen tons of them i I think part of that probably is because it, it's so different from all of them and it is a more serious tone it's you know it has the light-hearted elements but it's it's just a great mix of comedy and just real really heartfelt uh, emotion the this story of the basically these two elderly people that, that become close friends. Like, you know, Miguel becomes like the dolly to Modesto at the end where he is basically Emilio's caretaker at the end. And, and we see that journey and, and I just love it. So I, I definitely give this uh, a four uh, for me.
1: All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go I don't know about four, but I mean, I think I'm going to go three and a half. Uh, like I said, I, I will say it right now I wouldn't recommend this. The only <laughs> reason I take the half off is I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. Some people are, it's not for them. But having said that, I think I like the animation style. It works well. The pacing, the way they switch tones, mixing the fantasy, the the lost memory in, I think works really well. It's a really well done story. I like the fact that uh, it's not, it doesn't come off to me as cliche. Um, it's sad, but I think it's kind of uplifting at the same time. I, I think it's really good. I, uh, I would recommend it to someone. Um, and I probably wouldn't tell anyone, Hey, this is a comic book movie. I would say, Hey, you might want to just <laughs> check, to, check this out. I, I think it was excellent. I think it was really well done. Uh, like I said, the only, I'll, I'll take that half off just cause I, 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 I just don't, I don't think it's for, I don't think it's for. It's just, all audiences are gonna are gonna enjoy it. Yeah. What did you think out there? Did you uh, enjoy it? Did you like it more than you kind have liked it too much more than we did? You, you certainly could have liked it less if if you did, and that's that's fine. We can't take that away from you. I would like to hear it from you. Go to my Twitter or my Facebook and tell me what you thought about it. I'm at Matt Spectro. My Facebook page Matt Spectro through the multiverse. And while you're on those, if you could like and follow me, I would appreciate it. The uh... Question I normally ask, but uh, <laughs> it's just ridiculous considering the subject matter. <laughs> In 2022, if a child comes across wrinkles, <laughs> are they going to enjoy it? I think unless they have, I think
0: the only type of child that that might get something out of it is a child that that has. An elderly, like a grandparent or great-grandparent, that is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, um, that that would help them understand the situation a little bit better. But for the most part, it's you know it's all uh, grown-up themes, and it's it's gonna be just it's just too serious and too slow for most kids.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I I don't think uh, (laughs) any child is gonna. I think a child might watch it for a few minutes cause the animation might catch their eye. Cause my daughter is two and a half. She was kind of hypnotized for a couple of minutes and then she ran off and did other stuff. So <laughs> I think that's the effect it's going to have on most, uh, kids. It's not really meant for children. So it's kind of a dumb question, but I've asked it every episode. I, I would feel weird not asking it this episode. So there you have it folks wrinkles. And, uh, I would like to hear what you think. I love listening to other people's opinions. The main reason I have a guest every week. So definitely, uh, Share your opinion, Bubba. I really do enjoy uh, you joining us this week. I want to thank you for being here. No problem. It was my pleasure. I hope you'll come and do another episode.
0: Oh, definitely. I,
1: you
0: know, I I
1: have you know a, at least a
0: half dozen other animated movies that you have never heard of <laughs> that I would be happy to talk about.
1: You brought up Bird Boy, which intrigued me. So uh, that's something I'm going <laughs> to look into as well. That's not Birdman's sidekick, is it? No, that's that. That one is it's trippy. Like it's. I know
0: you watched heavy metal. It's you know it, it's kind of a darker theme like heavy metal, but it's a lot more absurdist.
1: All right. Well, like I uh, do every week, free plug time. The floor is yours. Go ahead, Bubba. Plug anything, everything you'd like. Sure. I've I actually have
0: you know quite a few projects that I, I've been bouncing around my main site has has always been uh com. i have written reviews of over 500 superhero movies i've uh fallen off a little bit but i'm i'm hoping to get back on there and and have reviews for um you know i I've, i haven't watched the batman yet i'm i'm hoping to catch up on that uh and mm-hmm. hoping to watch um you know doctor strange multiverse of madness and uh talk about that and and also still digging into some of the more obscure uh superhero movies that a lot of people have never heard of uh, i also have a uh, actually a music podcast called lyrical innuendo uh, where me and a co-host uh, we take a look at a single song and we dig into the lyrics and uh, we decide if if there is a hidden meaning With those lyrics and if they're actually talking about sex, drugs, or if it's just rock and roll, you know, looking at songs like, uh, um, you know, Madonna's Like a Prayer, uh, you know, Cyndi Lauper She Bop or, you know, like more recent ones like The Weeknd's Blinding Lights. And, and I also have a movie related project uh, called It's Time to Rewind where I look at time loop movies and TV shows and I break them down, where each episode I look at one loop of the time loop. Uh, my first season I went through Groundhog Day and all 38 loops of that movie. The second season I went through various episodes of The Twilight Zone. Uh, the next season, hopefully this summer, I'm looking at uh, the horror movie Triangle and a couple other similar movies, and and that's that's a lot of fun. Uh that's pretty much it. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Bubba Wheat.
1: <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's that's quite a lot. It's right there. Well, I want to thank you for joining me as well. And like I said, I hope you'll come back. Uh, if you guys could uh, give me your opinion on the podcast, I appreciate it as well. Feedback's always welcome. If you could uh, subscribe, smash the subscribe button. I love that as well. And uh, please uh, share. And if you could give me a five star review, appreciate it as well. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank Bubba for being here. And join us again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse.
0: Excelsior.